that should be the name of the podcast. Oh my god. <gasps> well, not to like to change. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to I Don't Know Any Straight People Anymore, in which I talk to queer people I know and you have to listen to it. Today I am here with Maya. Hi Maya. Hi. I'm a little starstruck because Maya has her own podcast. (laughs) Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, tell us about your podcast, Maya. Plug your podcast. My podcast is called Revisiting Menendez. It's a true crime podcast about a case from the 90s of two brothers who killed their parents. And it's on YouTube and Spotify, so check it out if that's your thing. So, Maya, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, I am Maya. I'm 21. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. (laughs) (laughs) And Sophia and I are roommates. We've been roommates for four years. Yeah, we were random random roommates freshman year. And, yeah. we're, and we liked each other enough that we stuck it out. <laughs> I think we liked each other more than enough that we stuck it out. <laughs> I don't know that many people who have stuck with the same roommate for four years of college. Yeah. I don't either. We've been on such a journey together, though. It's been so fun. <laughs> it's been it's been pretty much all good times. Yeah. I think. Otherwise, if it hadn't been, we wouldn't still be living together. Exactly. It's been a great time. But yeah, I just graduated from college and now i'm just hanging out in boston working at a restaurant probably gonna go to law school in a few years but you know what life's crazy who knows (laughs) so today we're here to talk about being queer so the first thing i wanted to ask about is how do you identify and if you want to get into it like how Did you come to terms with your identity? What are some key moments that led you to where you are now? Well, I identify as a bisexual woman. Um, It's definitely been a journey. Sophia has been there for a lot of it. (laughs) I came into college thinking I was straight, which I feel like is not that uncommon. I know a lot of people who came into college thinking they were straight. (laughs) I have a feeling a lot of them will be on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think looking back, I always knew that I was queer because I think, like, a key moment that I remember was in high school. I hadn't had a boyfriend or a partner or anything, and I remember at some point, I think it was, like, sophomore year, being like, okay, I need to figure out if I like girls or boys. So I need to kiss a girl and kiss a boy and see which one I like. <laughs> and that will tell me if I'm gay or straight. This is the most Maya analysis of an emotional situation I can think of. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like a little bit embarrassing how accurate it is who I am. <laughs> that's that's how you make all sorts of decisions, I think. <laughs> I just want to be a hundred percent sure. Everyone does, honestly. It's it's not fun to live in a space of being uncertain. 
about something. It's it's nice to know 100%, but it's often hard to get there. Yeah. I think that if I had known about bisexuality in high school, I probably would have, like, had that thought of, like, I need to choose and then been like, oh, I don't have to choose, which is what happened in college. Like, when I got to college and started meeting more, like, openly queer people and, like, learning more about queer identities, I was like, oh, wait, it's not either or. Yeah. But I didn't have that, even though, like, I grew up in a really accepting community and, like, you know, knew a lot of queer people growing up. I always saw it as one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I I honestly, I agree with that. I mean, I not agree, but I feel like I had a similar experience. I, I think I, like, understood what bisexuality was, but I, I think my first impression of it was the societal, like, stereotype, like, that bisexual people are just, like, overly flirtatious or over, or, like, unfaithful and just, like, going out and hooking up with everybody and that it was kind of a weird thing to be we'll probably talk about this but it was never it's not not represented well in media at all it is often presented as an either or kind of situation it's kind of weird to think about like that i grew up in such a in in a community that literally like prides itself on how progressive it is but like i didn't know about i mean i don't want to say i didn't know about bisexuality like I think I knew it existed but like like I knew the acronym like LGBT but I never like thought about it Mm -hmm. I never thought about like the B in the acronym that much you know yeah because it wasn't really brought up in like any other context other than just being this letter yeah in the acronym and like I didn't know anyone who was openly bi until I got to college really like well, now I know people that I knew in high school <laughs> who were bi and, like, knew they were at the time, but, like, hit it. Or, mm. well... Or they just they just came out after high school? Either they came out after high school or they realized Or they later. just never, like, explicitly were like, this mm. is who I am. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, I mean, this is a whole conversation about, like, labels, but labeling myself has been important to me. And, like, I think that that's why it took me so long to, like, recognize what my identity was, was because I didn't have, like, like, with the whole thing of do I like girls or do I like boys, like, I kind of like boxes, like, I like to put myself in a box, (laughs) like. I do, too. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, not having a word for it was what, like, what made me, like, not recognize what my feelings were that makes sense so in high school it was just you didn't really you didn't know you didn't you you maybe should have known but you didn't <laughs> basically yeah. yeah so then what was it like transitioning to college and how does the story progress from here well my freshman year i had a boyfriend it was a long distance relationship but after we broke up i kind of thought back to like what i had been thinking about in high school you know, I had this idea that, like, I wanted to kiss a girl, kiss a boy, and see what it was like. And I was like, okay, I had this boyfriend. I know that I liked him, and, like, I liked kissing him. But now, now I know that that doesn't mean anything about, like, my sexuality. I can still 
like girls. Now I know that there's other sexualities other than gay and straight. And so that's really when I started to like think about what I would label myself as and kind Mm -hmm. of, I feel like more like officially question my sexuality because I was kind of trying to come up with who I was and like what that meant. Trying to find the logical explanation. (laughs) No, I'm, I I mean, I'm, I make, I know I'm teasing you. It's because I love you, but also like I, it's so relatable. It's not, it's not the kind of thing that you have like a clear step by step process to figure out it is very much just a lot of introspection and it's frustrating when you're the kind of a kind of person who wants to make logical decisions yeah i mean i think my like logic brain kind of stopped me or was like a barrier for me to Mm. making that decision and i mean i still feel this way sometimes of like I need to confirm this. How can I say that I'm a certain thing when I haven't done this or I haven't done yeah. that? And it's like, I think it's it comes down to like me questioning my emotions because I want it to be like based on logic because that's how I try to make every decision. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting to me because I feel like for me, I sort of figured out like, oh, I'm queer in some way. In the beginning, I was frustrated with the same thing. I was like, I can't. I've never kissed anyone. I can't confirm this. And that helped me, honestly, like through the years and continuing to have not kissed anyone, it helped me realize like, oh, there is so much more to this identity than just like who you're making out with. But it took a while. And I, I think I did for some time feel like a, like a fake or something. But that, that went away after a while. But I understand that. And I think that is really hard. Yeah. I mean, some of that came from like, in a good way and in a bad way, like, when I got to college and the friends I started making were all queer people, I was like, I don't know who I am and I don't want to, like, diminish the queerness of my friends Mm -hmm. and, like, am I just trying to fit in by, like, talking about questioning my sexuality or, like, thinking about my sexuality? Am I Mm -hmm. just doing that because all my friends are gay? Yeah. I think more recently I've been more more affirmed more affirmed more like sure about it but it took me a long time to be like this is actually my own feelings and not just like the people that I'm around and also like the fact that all my friends are gay (laughs) is probably a pretty strong sign and it's kind of like what you were just saying about like that it's so much more than just who do you like to kiss or like yeah there's that community aspect of it that's like the bonding between queer people this is one of those universal things i think like what you're describing right now multiple people have said those exact words to me pretty much (laughs) like all my friends are queer i feel like i'm putting something on and i'm sort of like like maybe even appropriating other people's experiences and i think that's like so normal I, i think like at a certain point i even felt that way i was like i don't deserve to be associated with queer people because like i was talking about another episode like you grow up assuming you're like everyone else and so when you realize like oh maybe i'm not like everyone else you don't feel like you deserve to other yourself you know Mm -hmm. and i think there is like a certain thing about queer people that we seek each other out there's something like subconscious and unspoken that you can just feel the energy which just sounds so like (laughs) i don't know supernatural but it really is i think there is a certain degree of 
introspection and self-reflection and I don't know how to explain it but there's something about queer people that links them together and if all your friends are queer you might want to start thinking about why that is I mean actually there are some we have we know people who are straight and all their friends are queer but we have great allies we have some great <laughs> allies in our life but there are many people who I was like look an ally and then it's like oh not an ally anymore I like did this the other day I like went back through my Instagram followers from high school and Mm -hmm. I was like okay who did I like think was the coolest or like who did I who were the people that I like really liked hanging out with even if we weren't like super close and you know who were the people that I was closest to but obviously like some of them I'm still in touch with so I know that they were queer but I was like looking back through my followers to see who was queer and like almost a (laughs) hundred percent of the people that I was like wow these are really cool people are now queer yeah or i mean they were at the time but you know so here my question here is are are queer people just cool or did you gravitate towards them i'm i'm i mean this is like (laughs) it's a chicken or egg question yeah (laughs) well it's like was it a just a subconscious thing or was it that they were like overtly queer and i was like oh were you attracted to that part of them right That's what I want to talk about on this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. It was really cute. <laughs> the queers. Okay. The listeners are just going to like hear how we interact every day. I know. This is just like you asked me one question and we're already half an hour in. <laughs> so that was sort of your like discovery process. What did coming out look like for you? And how was that experience? Well, like I was saying, I feel like it's taken me a really long time to be certain about my feelings because of, like, my extreme logic brain that I have going on. Um, (laughs) Oh, that logic brain. But right at the beginning of the pandemic was when I was, like, seriously starting to question. Or, like, beginning of 2020. Yeah. And during the beginning of the pandemic I was living with a really good friend shout out to Adele shout out to Adele and we both were kind of going through like queer crises I don't know they were like questioning their gender I was questioning my sexuality and we had been friends before so like I had been talking to them a lot about like questioning of my sexuality but when we started living together and we were very isolated from people we had a lot of very intense conversations about a lot of different topics including gender and sexuality Mm -hmm. and it was at that point that I like brought it up to my parents Mm -hmm. that I I think I said like I think I'm bi yeah and when I said that like to me it felt like a really big deal because I hadn't really like verbalized it to anyone before But I think that because I was, like, I think I'm bi, I mean, they were, like, accepting and told me that, but they were also, like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or, like, how do you know? And that wasn't really what I needed to hear Mm -hmm. because I had been thinking so much about my sexuality. Yeah. I kind of wanted them to, like, affirm what I had been feeling because, like, they've known me the longest out of anyone in my life. So that was a little bit, like, 
hard like that made it harder for mm-hmm. me because I wanted their validation and I didn't yeah. get it the way that I needed at the time yeah I think like some of that just has to do with that they're straight mm-hmm. and like they're not really I don't think they really knew what to do yeah. like they didn't really want to have the conversation with me about uh-huh. whether I was bi or not yeah yeah and like I don't blame them for how mm-hmm. they reacted and like I was very privileged to know that they weren't going to like disown me or like react completely negatively mm-hmm. but I still felt like I wanted more affirmation and like validation that that the way I was feeling was something they saw in me you know because I really like valued their opinion yeah I think a lot of parents reactions to their children coming out can be very frustrating even if they are accepting because I don't feel like a lot of parents uh, like parents our age have not sort of been conditioned in the way we have to like be thinking about these things as much and so they don't really know how to react and what's like acceptable and what and what might not be helpful to someone at the time and I guess I I feel like like, I want to validate your frustration because like your whole thing was proof and being 100% sure about something and so it's frustrating to when you finally do make some sort of decision or some sort of conclusion and then to be met with ambiguity and and are you sure about this that's really frustrating I think it just kind of like was another thing that kept me from feeling certain for a while because like I said like I love my parents I really value what they think of me and I really want their advice and like guidance Mm -hmm. on a lot of things and so it was kind of frustrating to be like okay this maybe isn't something that they can help Mm -hmm. me with yeah but you know, I had a great friend group that really supported yeah. me and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like played that role for me and that was what eventually made me feel secure and made me feel mm-hmm. like I didn't have to say I think I'm bi anymore. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> the thing is I don't know if I I mean, I think my parents know that I don't think I've ever officially told them that I like I don't just think I'm bi. Yeah. It's well, official. Well, no, they know. I don't know why I said that. I told Wait. them I went on a date with a girl, so. <laughs> That was exciting. That was exciting. Hello. This is 2023 Maya chiming in with a little update. After Sophia and I recorded this episode, I ended up going home for a few weeks to see my parents, and... I ended up officially coming out to them. It was kind of a funny story. My mom initiated a conversation with me about it and directly asked me if I was identifying as bisexual. And I told her that yes, I was. And we had a little conversation about it. And then I ended up also telling my dad separately. And he said, oh, I thought you already told us that. So, I was half right that my parents thought I had already come out to them. So, throughout this process, what were, we've sort of already touched on this, what were some resources that helped you figure things out and come to terms with your sexuality? Definitely my friends. I definitely would not be in the 
headspace I am about my sexuality if it weren't for some amazing people in my life, including <gasps> Sophia. Hello. And I think, like, having bi friends specifically mm-hmm. helped that, too, because... Sorry, can, couldn't help with that. <laughs> <laughs> because I think a big reason of why I it was so hard for me to label myself or to like recognize what my feelings were was because I didn't see anyone who was having those same feelings and like came to the conclusion that they were bi. I want, we can take this offline, but I want to hear your thoughts about my turmoil now that I'm like more confident. Sure, we can talk about it offline. I mean, unless you want to talk about it here. Because I feel like there's definitely stuff that I'm forgetting. Well, one thing that I was... I didn't want to say, like, I hope we talk about this because it's very self-centered. But I remember that time that Adele was over at our apartment, sophomore year. The conversation... I think it was... Was it Valentine's Day? Was this during the pandemic or before? Right before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, okay. I remember this as when you were kind of coming out to us, kind of... We were helping you figure it out. I honestly, I remember I felt a little bit <laughs> gatekeeping. <laughs> well, because, and I feel bad about this now, and I, I feel like I know a lot more people who have had your similar experience and a lot more by people now, and so I'm much more understanding and less gatekeeping. <laughs> but I think, I think I was a little bit, if I'm being completely honest, I was a little bit like, well, she hasn't had the experience I've had, so how can she be queer? As you continued talking, I was like, oh, no, she's queer. <laughs> like, it didn't, that that moment was very brief. This is making me sound like a horrible person. <laughs> I kind of remember that. Yeah, and well, then I remember Adele and I talking to you, and we were trying to share how we felt about it and how our journey had been. And I remember you, not not that you weren't convinced, but you weren't like, it wasn't fully resonating with you. And I remember that was when I thought like, oh, maybe she isn't. But I think then later you told me, I love you and Adele, but I needed, like, I just talked to this bi person and she really helped me figure this stuff out. And like, I love you guys, but I don't think you could do the same. You can you can do the same thing for me. And, and I was like, oh, you're right. That makes so much sense. Like, I wasn't necessarily what you needed in that moment. Yeah, I remember this. And I think... It kind of goes back to, like, my whole struggle of, like, am I just kind of appropriating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I didn't have the same experience as them. Like, maybe I'm not. Maybe I just am having these thoughts because the two people that I'm really close to right now are both queer and, like, very confidently mm-hmm. not attracted to men. <laughs> And, like, maybe I just think I'm attracted to women, too, because I'm surrounded by two wonderful lesbians. <laughs> yeah, but I remember that and, like, feeling like I needed to talk to someone who was bi because, like, because of what we were just talking about, of, like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, here's a guy in my class, I'm gonna have a crush on him, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, that was genuine. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a rejection of my attraction to men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, 
I love that you're comparing it to my completely fake crushes on men. <laughs> there was someone from my work who was like also a Northeastern student who was questioning her sexuality right at the beginning of the pandemic. And we like had really long conversations about it. And like she thought she was bi. And I was like, oh, I also think I'm bi. And we like had a lot of conversations about it, like an ongoing text paragraphs conversation yeah you should have known you were queer you were texting in paragraphs (laughs) and then at the end of that she was like yeah i'm pretty sure i'm just a lesbian Mm. and i was like oh okay can't talk to you anymore (laughs) well not that but like some of the things she had been saying that didn't resonate Mm -hmm. with me i was like oh okay like about not really enjoying sex with men I was like, oh, I do enjoy sex with men, so this conversation has affirmed that I like women, so I guess I am bi. Yeah, yeah. So, Well, yeah. you were both affirmed in this, over the course of this conversation. Oh, yeah, it was great. We re- It was really a journey for mm-hmm. both of us, and it was really good. The other thing was that one of the last in-person gatherings I was at before the pandemic hit was with a bunch of queer people. What was that? It was me, Anya, Doa, Wiley, and Adele made Pollock Paneer at our apartment. I remember that because I wasn't there and I was jealous. (laughs) But me questioning my sexuality got brought up and I remember Anya being like, yeah, I'm bi and like having a little conversation about it and like I think that I really at that point needed like other bi people. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice. Like, I still remember that. We didn't even talk about it for that long, but just being like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah. I'd been kind of, like, creating this image of what I could be Mm -hmm. as, like, what my sexuality is. And, like, I knew that being bi was an option for me or, like, a way I could label myself. But then being like, oh, here's an actual living, breathing human. (laughs) Look, there it is in the wild. (laughs) Yeah, was very affirming and like Mm -hmm. we didn't even really have like an in-depth kind of conversation like we're having now or like I've now had with Anya yeah (laughs) um but like just knowing that there were people that were confidently bi was very nice where did we start this oh yeah you were telling me your perceptions of me yeah I was being honest because I want to own up to my maybe questionable thoughts but also, well, I mean, uh, I think it's also to let you know that my thoughts have very much changed <laughs> since then. I think it's interesting because there's so much diversity in the queer community and like of people's experiences that like I'm glad you had this moment of self-reflection. I mean, I feel like that's what this podcast is about. Mm-hmm. Is like you can go through so many different things and like have so many different experiences that like shape your perception of yourself Mm -hmm. and like we're not all the same not that you'd know by looking at us we look exactly the same me and you yeah oh yeah identical (laughs) twins (laughs) looking back i wish that i had resources to you know other than my friends to like help me with that and i i use you know shout out to the internet Ooh, internet (laughs) You know, I did 
definitely did some googling of like am i gay quiz am i gay quiz was definitely <laughs> taken i feel like we should do a running tally of how many people who come on this podcast have done the am i gay quiz the most relatable part of heartstopper was the <laughs> am i gay quiz <laughs> spoilers for heartstopper um there's a skip this part if you don't want to hear about hearts but just go watch like pause right now go watch it and then come back it's only four hours long i feel like the venn diagram of people who are listening to this podcast <laughs> and people who have watched heartstopper is a circle <laughs> there we go there's our circle <laughs> but if you talk about heartstopper with other people on this podcast they're probably going to say something similar but i wish that i had a show like heartstopper when i was in high school or in middle school because then I would have known that I could be bi. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, talking to some other bi people more recently, Glee was really helpful to them Mm -hmm. growing up because it had bi representation. We're also going to do a running tally on Glee. (laughs) And I didn't watch Glee, and so I think that if I had, I probably would have been like oh okay that's a thing i could be mm-hmm. it kind of sucks that i wasn't a huge musical theater nerd <gasps> and so i didn't watch no Glee. you know maybe if i had been a musical theater nerd i would have come out sooner <laughs> honestly i don't know maya if we would have survived as roommates if you were a musical theater nerd I don't I'm, think we would have. No. I honestly, I think that might be the keystone of our relationship, that I'm a musical theater nerd and you're not. Because we also live with Maddie, who is also a musical theater nerd. Three of us, too much. Um. <laughs> the summary is, media representation is really important, and I think that watching Heartstopper like, made me realize that. Yeah. And identifying very strongly with Nick and the Am I Gay quiz. <laughs> oh that part oh that part made me cry that part made me cry when i was reading the comic because i remember i feel like it depicted so well the just straight up confusion and how scary it is when you're just like i don't know what's happening maybe this is what's happening ah that was very relatable yeah to me even though i'm not bi because charlie was already out mm-hmm. whereas nick is like figuring things out and that that's just so fucked well, one thing I was going to say about Heartstopper is that when I started questioning my sexuality, it wasn't because I, like, had a crush on someone. So that's something that, like, I couldn't relate to as much mm. because, and honestly, that was something looking, like, watching Heartstopper where I was like, I kind of wish I had because that's, like, the whole, my whole validation thing. Yeah. Is I feel like I had to overcome the, like, mental barrier of, like, okay, I think she's pretty in, like, an attraction way, yeah. not just girls are pretty. Yeah. Yep. They show it very well in Heartstopper, like, Nick having really strong feelings for Charlie and, like, that leading to him feeling comfortable labeling mm-hmm. himself. And, like, I still think Heartstopper would have 100% helped me and probably would have helped me realize that maybe some of the feelings I was having towards girls in high school or whatever was attraction but like i think there is an element of that's a side of questioning your sexuality that i feel like isn't shown that much Mm. because in in media narratives it's really like in a show it's 
helps the plot when there's like one person that's like the central focus yeah and i mean i get that and heartstopper is adorable and i wouldn't <laughs> change it for anything but like <laughs> that's a story that i feel like should be told and maybe it's out there and i just haven't seen it this is something i've also talked about with our roommate maddie is like understanding what attraction looks like for different genders or different presentations it's different and i see this is something i wouldn't understand because i don't really get attracted to men or masculine presenting people but people talk about it being different and biggest struggle for me was not realizing that what i was feeling was attraction i thought i was like just weirdly obsessed with these people <laughs> and that was really distressing for me because i was like what is this feeling what is this feel okay yeah you don't maybe do you know never mind i was gonna make a musical theater reference <laughs> but you're not the venue for that there was something so freeing about when i like finally put a label on myself because it meant like i could finally acknowledge that what i was feeling was attraction and that it mm. wasn't just a weird creepy obsession because i felt creepy i felt like i mean i did feel like there was something wrong with me because i was just like no one else experiences this which is false everyone i mean not everyone uh, there's like if you're ace or you just don't get crushes on people like you don't experience it but it was like this is what people are talking about when they talk about girls falling in love with boys and it was just not a boy for me and it's crazy how long it took me to accept that and acknowledge it the next question is what are the best things about being lgbtq what do you find joy in i find so much joy in the community and my friends and having these conversations because it's so nice to be able to like spew my brain to people and like know that they're going to like understand how I've been feeling mm. and like I'm someone who really like needs affirmation I don't know if you've gotten that from this episode, <laughs> but, like, I really need other people to, like, confirm that what I'm doing and what I'm feeling is right, mm -hmm. and having, like, so many people around to, like, affirm that and to, like, help me kind of connect my feelings with queerness and, like, being bi has been the best part of it and mm -hmm. I feel like I've connected with the people that I've had those kind of conversations with on like a different level than mm. other people in my mm -hmm. life those kinds of conversations really bring you instantly close to someone yeah I mean I feel like that's kind of the point of this podcast yes. <laughs> is that like that's the point there's a connection that you make with people when you are able to be fully vulnerable. I don't want to diminish the straight people in my life. They can be diminished a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, hmm. It's an interesting thing. Often I do feel bad for straight people that they don't get to have that experience necessarily. This is not just uh, unique to being queer. I think there are other identities that people can hold that can have a similar sort of like revelatory experience talking to people about it, but... There is something so special about being queer. Not to bring up the other roommate. I mean, we love the other roommate. But they sent me something that was like, longing for queerness is mm. a sign of like, 
internalized by phobia. And that really resonated with me because mm. I think like thinking back on the parts of queerness that I really, you know, the community that I love, thinking back on a time in my life when I was questioning what my role was in that, I was like, I want to be a part of this. Like, I, I know I am a part of this, but like, I think I am more than just an ally Mm -hmm. like i think that this is like a really important part of who i am yeah and like these people are super important to me Mm -hmm. and like these are the people that i want to be around and like reading that post that maddie sent me was like really validating to the fact that like that's okay yeah (laughs) and like yeah that's something that is valid to view as a reason to think that you're queer or to like you know my whole thing of needing validation for everything that isn't a sign that I am like being performative or like that I think I'm queer because all my friends are queer it's like a sign that I am queer yeah because I want to be like all my friends who are queer mm-hmm. and I think that all my friends are queer are like the coolest people mm-hmm. I agree so yeah, shout out to Maddie. Shout out to that Instagram post I, that they sent I love me. the term yearning for queerness. I think that's a really beautiful term. That should be the name of the podcast. Oh my god. <gasps> oh. Well, not too late to change. <laughs> <laughs> I like the term yearning for queerness too. Because it is very real. I'm like thinking about, I don't know, it was a solid like year and a half, two years of me being like I think I'm bi and like that whole time I was growing closer with all my queer friends and like fitting myself into this community of queer people and like being like wow I love all of these people so much Mm -hmm. and it's like seeing those feelings as another sign was really important that just that feeling is enough of a reason yeah that's so beautiful it's a good place to end for now i think okay (laughs) did you have other questions i mean that was actually it so we maybe we're done (laughs) but we can also come back later if we if there's if you think of something while we're at drag bingo (laughs) yeah we're going to drag bingo after this and then we'll keep recording later maybe i've never been to a drag show so i'm excited i've only been to a couple so i'm i'm very excited for this all right We're going to log off and go to drag bingo, and maybe we'll come back later. (laughs) Welcome back. So Maya and I went to drag bingo. And then we didn't record after we went to Drag Bingo. It is several days later. Drag Bingo was fun, but it was very loud. So, I mean, at least I, my voice was tired. We were both just physically tired as well. But I had a great time at Drag Bingo. I also had a great time. It was very fun. What did you think about Drag Bingo? I mean, it was Drag Bingo. I don't know how much there is to say about it. There were some very cool drag queens. There was one who uh, broke her ankle or something. Oh, yeah. But she showed up at the end, out of drag. Yeah. I hadn't really been to a drag performance before, so Mm. it was cool. 
I just think it's so cool that they, like, can completely change the way they look like that. Yeah. You know? I'm just impressed. It's really <laughs> the, the moral of the story. I was impressed, too. I thought it was cool. Our, our friend Doa had lived with one of the drag queens before. Oh, yeah. And so she went to introduce herself to the drag queen who didn't remember <laughs> that they lived together. But then did remember after Doa elaborated it. But I thought that was funny. Anyway. Where were we? Where were we? I feel like we'd covered most of my points of conversation I wanted to hit, and then I know that you thought of a couple more things after we stopped recording that you felt were really important that you wanted to add. So one thing that I know you wanted to talk about was more about your family and their influence on how you perceive being gay or being queer. You want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well... The one thing I was thinking about was that when I was a kid, I don't know, probably starting in, like, third or fourth grade, my mom would always like to, like, come into my room and talk to me about boys and ask me if there were any cute boys at school, and that was kind of a bonding thing for us was hanging out and talking about boys, and, you know, if there was a cute guy that we, in a movie we were watching or, like, I remember, you know, we used to watch baseball, and we would talk about, like, the cute baseball players and stuff like that. And, well, I feel like I don't think that it negatively influenced me. Like, I don't think that that had an impact on, like, why I didn't come out sooner or something like that. Like, I think it was all very internal, the reasons that I didn't recognize that mm-hmm. I was bi. Yeah, maybe it was a subconscious influence of like, oh, I like boys, I like boys. But like, I never felt any in any way that like, my parents would judge me for liking girls too. When I came out to them, I wasn't afraid of that at all. Yeah. So, I don't know, it was just something I was thinking about when I was coming to terms with who I am. Yeah. But, oh, did you have something to add? Well, I guess I'm just, I'm thinking about it, and I, like, I I don't want to be like, I disagree with you, because I don't know, I don't know your life and your experience, but I feel like it's, like, even if you know that they're accepting, like, the expectation was more, oh, Maya likes boys exclusively, you know, there was, like, even if, even though there wasn't any judgment in the other direction, that was just sort of the assumption. I don't want to assume that it had anything to do with anything. I don't know. I mean, maybe it did, and I'm just, like, not really recognizing it. Like, I think the f- other factors that I've talked about, like, you know, media representation, me not really knowing that bisexuality was, like, an option, not really recognizing, like, my feelings for girls as being, like, romantic. Like, I think those things had more of an impact on, like, me not realizing that I was bi, But I was going to say that I feel like, like, one thing that was kind of nice with coming out was that more recently, when I started telling my parents that I was going on dates with girls or, like, opening up my online dating to all people, stuff like that, my mom started saying stuff like, any cute boys or girls in your classes? So that was kind of (laughs) nice. That reminds me of the James A. Caster segment oh i just watched that last night (laughs) where he's like he's like 
he or she. Yeah, it's only it's always men who are like trying to pretend like they're being inclusive when they're like, oh, he or she or she. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, that was it. Just that when she started doing that, it was nice because it was yeah, kind of like a. Yeah. That's what made me think about like the times when she would come and we would talk about boys. Like it was. You know, it didn't change that she wanted to keep talking to me about who you're interested in. Yeah, I'm yeah. like kind of gossiping about it. Mm-hmm. I remember you saying to me at one point that because you had been asked growing up these questions, like, oh, who do you like? Who are you interested in? It sort of made you go into the world and always like be looking for men or like thinking about mm. men and being attracted to them. I don't know if you remember saying that to me. But that's what sticks out in my head. And that was maybe a little bit what I was, like, getting at before, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think that that has made it very, like, instinctive for me to, like, know what I like about men. And, like, know what I Mm -hmm. find attractive about men. And, like, mask-presenting people, actually. I think I find it easier to, like, kind of read people with, like, male features because that's what my mom and I would talk about yeah and like that's what I kind of grew up looking for which like Mm kind of sounds gross I don't think so (laughs) (laughs) you know like we would talk about the like what we found attractive about men in movies or like you know celebrities and it was always about men and so that's I like kind of learned what I found attractive about men yeah and then we didn't necessarily have the opportunity to do that with women or feminine presenting people. Yeah, and I mean, I remember, well, this here's another thing from my childhood. I, I remember um, watching Wonder Woman when I was like 12 years old and being like, wow, Gal Gadot is really pretty mm-hmm. and not really recognizing that as like a crush but kind of recognizing it. Like, I think that was, like, the first Mm -hmm. time that I was, like, oh, what was Chris Pine, I think, was the guy in the movie. And I had always thought he was cute. But then I was, like, oh, Gal Gadot is really pretty, too. Yeah. But, like, I didn't bring that up to my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was, like, I didn't really recognize that as, like, the same feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that maybe if I had recognized that as, like, attraction the same way that I was attracted to men, I might have brought it up to her and, like, had Mm -hmm. that conversation and maybe we could have, like, explored that and maybe I would have kind of developed the, like, instinctive... Like, I find myself very easily, like, reading men or, like, mask-presenting people on the street as, like, do I think they're attractive? Do I think they're not attractive? Mm-hmm. oh that's an attractive quality about that person on the street but I don't I like have to kind of force myself to do it with women even though like and sometimes it does happen where I'm walking past a femme presenting person on the street and I'm like yes mm-hmm. I think they're attractive mm-hmm. but like with men it's like an automatic thing which like I don't know if that's gross like saying it out loud kind of sounds gross I don't like I don't this, I, none of this sounds gross to me honestly okay. I think it's normal to walk around and think about what you find attractive in people and I think it's natural for that to be more instinctive with men because I think that's I mean that's what it is like growing up in the society is that you're, you're supposed to do that and I mean also maybe I don't know how you feel but you might just be more attracted to men 
Yeah, I don't really know. I haven't really figured that out yet. You don't have to. <laughs> it's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, it is. Hello, it's 2023 Maya again. I wanted to add that a year later, I have realized that I think I am equally attracted to men, women, and non-binary people and everyone. I think it took a lot of unpacking internalized homophobia for me to get to that point, but yeah, I'm happy with where I am now, and I feel like since recording this episode, I've grown a lot and grown a lot more confident in my sexuality, and yeah, feeling good. And we've talked about this before, I think, because my my upbringing was very different from yours in that regard. No one was asking me who I was attracted to in, in my family. Actually, that's a, actually, that's a lie. My grandma would always be like, oh, when are you getting a boyfriend? When am I going to meet your boyfriend? Which is why I was kind of nervous to come out to her because I was like, oh, she's got all these expectations for me to get a boyfriend. But my mom is just, she just doesn't ask about that stuff. I think it's like a second generation immigrant, a little bit of Asian Chinese mentality just like not talking about that kind of thing and so that I just had never really been asked aside from like my friends being like oh who do you have a crush on and me being like uh I don't know maybe him (laughs) I remember one time I was in New York with my uncle and he asked me I think this was this was maybe sixth or seventh grade and around that time is when I had first started to have crushes on people and like I didn't know they were crushes I thought it was, I didn't know what was happening. But he asked me, do you find you have any crushes on any boys or girls? He presented the question to me that way. And in my head, I was like, automatically, I was like, yes. I, yeah, I'm attracted to girls. But out loud, I said, no. (laughs) And that's how I suppressed my feelings for years. (laughs) But it is interesting that he did, he was the only one ever when I was that young to present it to me that way. Oh, now I'm also remembering in like my church youth group thing. There was like a high school Sunday school session and like a middle school session. And there weren't that many people in the middle school section. So sometimes I went to the high school one when I was in middle school and they had a sexuality conversation because I think our, our gender and sexuality, because I think our like the leader of the group at that time was trans. So they were like asking all these questions about like sexuality and, and stuff. It's crazy because it was like, I think like in a few years, it would have been an extremely helpful conversation for me. But at the time, it was really overwhelming. And I think I was a little too young for it. But it's just like, there were these opportunities, but like, still society was like, no, you're not going to think about this. I'm just like connecting all these dots in my life. It's kind of crazy how that happens, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) That's like the, the ultimate queer experience to me is looking back at my life and like just every day a new revelation like oh that's why that happened oh that's why that happened and this is connected oh my god it's kind of mind-boggling sometimes it's like it's like looking at a different person's life or like it's like a whole i don't know it's like an alternate reading (laughs) an alternate framing of your life kind of connected to the whole like looking at people on the street and being like do you think they're attractive or not i remember in middle and high school 
looking at the girls in my grade and being mm-hmm. like, oh, she's pretty. Or like, oh, here's a friend group. These are the pretty girls in the friend group. Which, like, sounds really mean, but that's just how my brain was working. But, like, at the time, I just thought I just thought that I thought they were pretty. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. and then I, like, kind of wanted to be them, and it was, like, an idolizing mm. thing of, mm-hmm. like... Well, it was specifically, like, some of the popular girls, too, yeah. looking at different, like, friend groups who I thought were, like, the popular people or, like, the sporty yeah. people and being, like, oh, those are the girls that are pretty and, like... They're dating the attractive guys, uh-huh. so, like, I just want to be like them. And now, looking back, I'm like, <laughs> hmm, maybe I just thought they were pretty. I honestly think that's that's the interesting thing about growing up as a woman in this society, because there's so much constant comparison of yourself to others. Like, we're brought up to compare ourselves to other women, and to be like, like, are we at the same level? So then I think it is sometimes hard to tell when you're queer, like, oh, am I attracted to this woman or am I just jealous? And I think I I misinterpreted a lot of my attraction when I was younger to jealousy. And I think that's another, that's just like a, it's an interesting quirk of our society. Yeah. No, I definitely see that in like my discovering of my sexuality and stuff like that. Like, I think that the dots I've kind of been connecting more recently have been, like, unpacking that I thought the girls in my class were pretty and that was an attraction thing, not Mm. a jealousy thing. Yeah. And, like... Life goals are life goals. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Shout out to my cousin Ellie for saying that to me one time. I've never forgotten it. And also, like, I feel like I'm still doing that. I think that's kind of where it, like, has come in now, Mm. is, like, me being, like, do I just think this person is really cool, or do I think that she's hot? Yeah. Even, like, seeing people walking down the street, I feel like my instinct with girls is more to be, like, oh, she looks really cool, versus, oh, she looks really hot. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I think she's really attractive. Yeah. And, like... Now I'm realizing that me thinking she's cool is kind of also me thinking she's attractive because, like, Mm -hmm. when you look at someone and you're like, oh, they're cool, to me, I feel like that is me saying, oh, she's hot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or, like, oh, she's cool. I kind of wish that I was – I looked like her. It's like, okay, I think she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's something that I think is going to just be, like, a never-ending challenge. And I think I still struggle with it. It has gotten easier over the years. I think it's much easier for me to tell now when I'm attracted to someone versus when I just think they're cool. Or when it's both. (laughs) As often it's both. Oh, well, (gasps) I remember something that I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Which is that I think for a long time I was worried that I was, like, appropriating mm-hmm. being queer because a lot of the things that that made me feel like I was queer weren't attraction things mm. like well I talked about how like I had my first boyfriend when I was 18 and then while we were together I was like I want to get bangs I already had short like a bob but I was like I want to get bangs and he was like I don't think you would like them 
And so <laughs> when we broke up, <laughs> I cut my own bangs. And I've had them ever since. I love your bangs. Me too. But when I started to question my sexuality, Adele was like, well, you have the bisexual bob. And that was when I had like recently cut my bangs. And they were like, your haircut is very bi. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I really like my haircut. But that doesn't mean that I'm attracted to women. <laughs> and what like, are you trying to say about me? <laughs> well, that, but also, like, at that time, I was already questioning my sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I was like, is it the chicken and the egg kind of thing? Where it's like, did I cut my hair this way because I'm bi? Or do I think I'm bi because I cut my hair this <laughs> yeah. way? And, like, I don't know, I struggled with that for like a really long time specifically your hair and the bob and well the hair and also like that Adele was like I read you as bi mm. and like I was just really worried about the whole validation thing of like I've never kissed a girl like how do I actually know yeah. that I'm attracted to women maybe I just look bi yeah <laughs> And, like, I don't want to just look bi if I'm not. Yeah. And, like, I, like, really struggled with that because yeah. I was, like, hadn't really connected all of these pieces from my childhood that we've been talking about of, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I definitely am bi. Like, this isn't just me coming to college and cutting my hair a certain way and yeah. being, like, okay, now I'm bi. Like, this isn't this is so me there's like proof going back for a long time there's that a lot I just, of evidence there's a lot of evidence that i just like didn't recognize mm -hmm. and since i've like had those kind of moments of like self-reflection i've felt more like confident with it and like yeah. that's been kind of the transition from me being like i think i'm bi to like i am bi yeah is being like okay it's not just that like other people think I'm bi mm -hmm. <laughs> or like I dress a certain way or I cut my hair a certain way or like things that are like connected to the queer community that I was like exhibiting or like yeah. enjoying yeah. about mm -hmm. my life and like it kind of connects back to like the whole longing for queerness yeah. thing that we were talking about. I love that term so much. <laughs> Part of why that was so validating for me to like learn about or read was that it was like, okay, this, all these things that I've been, like, worried are just me, like, appropriating mm -hmm. queerness or, like, you know, just me presenting as queer, but what if I actually am not attracted to women? Like, it still counts, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually resonating with me a lot. I don't know if I ever told you, like, I, when I first... I started, I don't know, my, my fashion sense has gone, undergone many changes throughout the years, but I remember, like, wanting so badly to dress more queer. I didn't even know if that was, like, the word for it, but just, like, you know, I wanted, I don't know, I wanted to, to look like queer women, and I remember thinking, no, you don't deserve that. Mm. You can't, you, you don't have any right to that. I mean, I hadn't even heard the term appropriation. I didn't even know what that meant, but I just remember thinking, like, you don't deserve that. That's for cooler people than you. And I still sometimes feel that way. I'm like, am I just putting something on? It's been really affirming to like hear people say like, oh my god, I love your fashion, etc. Because 
I think for a long time I didn't feel like I deserved to dress the way I do. Like, I wasn't cool enough. Mm. But we do. We do! We can dress however we want. Yeah! Except straight people can't dress queer. That's not cool. <laughs> That's appropriate. <laughs> That's another conversation. <laughs> well i'm glad this conversation was validating for you that's very validating for me to hear too because i feel like i've always felt like you were super confident in like the way you dress and like i always thought you dressed cool thank you i wanted to say that because i think that is probably the impression i give off that i have always been very confident about it that's very much not the case yeah well i think it's so hard to like be navigating a world where you're still figuring out who you are but then you don't want to like give the impression that you know Mm -hmm. who you are like that's kind of where I was at yeah was like okay I like my hair (laughs) (laughs) I like having bangs Mm -hmm. but like what if this is telling someone something about me but I don't know if I'm sure about that part myself, but, like, I don't want to mislead people. Yeah. I don't want to, like, make people feel weird about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's... It doesn't, I feel like it's a little different from what you were talking about. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I think it kind of all comes down to, like, a self-confidence thing. Mm-hmm. Of, like, when you're not sure about, like, how you feel about yourself, then you're worried about how that comes across to other people. Yeah, I've never thought about that before. That's a really good point. I have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should be, as queer people, allowed to, like, push the boundaries and, like, think about our expression without these feelings of, am I good enough for this? And I feel like that's partially society, partially maybe even, you know, queer people gatekeeping (laughs) but yeah i i hope for i hope for us like more freedom in that sense and more like feeling allowed to take liberties even while we're still figuring things out yeah anything else that you comes to mind that you want to think about that you want to throw into the ether something that i think has been like really nice in like the community part of being queer that I've like really enjoyed is like having this connection with people where you like you know that that person has like gone through the same Mm -hmm. I mean not the same self-reflection because like everyone's experience is different but like a certain amount of self-reflection to be like okay I am queer Mm -hmm. and like I think that is really very powerful like experience to have and that feels like very connective and while I was was saying this to you last night that like when men are like confident to be like I'm bi Mm -hmm. or questioning their gender Mm -hmm. I feel like that automatically like kind of makes a connection I'm automatically like you're more attractive because (laughs) you've like had that level of self-reflection that i feel like Mm -hmm. straight men just don't no (laughs) and like i don't know i just think it's great and i feel like i agree for men specifically there's so many 
pressures from society about like masculinity and like what men should be Mm -hmm. and for a man to like overcome that is like really cool i agree i think it's really cool because i do think it is harder i think society doesn't in in some senses it's harder in some senses it's not like i think what society thinks of when they think of gay is gay men but like they never think about bi men right and like i mean i i don't think that like lesbians or sapphic people have been thought of in society that much or like considered i mean by like the mainstream society as a whole but i still do think it is harder for men to let go of the degree of masculinity they have to to question their sexuality or gender yeah i mean not saying it's like easy for gay men of course but like i feel like when the media representation of like gay people started to like enter the more mainstream a lot of it was like gay men yeah and i think that it is harder for people to come out as bi did we talk about this i don't know we should talk about it (laughs) i think it is harder for people to recognize being bisexual because there's a level of ambiguity to it where like i think if i lived in a different time i probably just would have gone my whole life thinking I was straight. Yeah. And, like, okay, I like having sex with men. Like, that's the end, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And, like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, in some ways, I think that's why it was easier for me because I pretty pretty quickly realized that it was <laughs> just women. <laughs> like, it wasn't... It, it it didn't take too long. Right. Because I had nothing else to fall back on. Like, I couldn't I couldn't go, no, but I like him. I couldn't do that because I didn't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he was just, he just sat next to me in homeroom and I was like, well, he's cute. <laughs> and then every time I saw him, I remembered, oh yeah, that's my crush. I'm so glad you've moved past that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was so boring. It was such a boring time. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's true. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like that's the part of like the community aspect of being queer that I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Is like. The connection. The connection and being like, okay, we've both or all, like, had enough, like, internal introspection, lying awake late at night, being like, oh my god, what is this? (laughs) To be like, okay, I'm going against the societal norm, and that's okay, and I'm gonna, like, say that loud and proud. Yeah. I think that's really admirable and like Mm -hmm. those are the kind of people that i want to hang out with yeah no i agree i i think if you haven't been awake at night and cried about it a little bit (laughs) maybe you're not queer (laughs) stop gatekeeping oh no i am gatekeep (laughs) i i am and it's gonna become abundantly clear on this podcast that i'm gatekeep (laughs) i try so hard not to but I actually, I dare you to find me a single queer person who hasn't cried about it. 
All right, should we end it? There? I think we should end it there. We're all, all crybabies. Cry Except babies. me, I don't cry. Well, Maya, thank you so much for coming on. I love living with you. I'm so glad that we have been friends for four entire years and we've been able to talk through all these experiences together and go through a lot of growth and learning together. It's kind of crazy how far we've come <laughs> just thinking about how we used to be and how, I don't know, I feel like we've learned a lot from each other, not just in being queer, but in life and how to how to live with someone and how to be friends with someone. Yeah. <laughs> I love you a lot. I love you too. I'm so glad that I come on here. I feel like if you had started this podcast two years ago, I would not have wanted to come on because I, was... I don't think I would have been ready. I'm glad that you feel ready and I'm I'm very proud of you for talking today. Yeah. Well, I'm glad everyone got a little glimpse into what a day is like with Maya and Sophia. <laughs> That's really, this is just what it is. <laughs> just a running dialogue. Just a running dialogue. It's gonna probably keep happening after we cut the audio Yeah, recording. we're probably gonna talk for another two hours, but you don't get to hear that. Sorry! <laughs> Alright. Outro. And there's gonna be an outro that I'm gonna say. Still haven't written it yet. Hi there, this is Sophia, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of I Don't Know Any Straight People Anymore with the super awesome Maya, who has her own podcast called Revisiting Menendez, so go check that out. Our cover art is by Des Bennett, who is at Art by Des on Instagram. See the show notes for music credits. You can follow us on Instagram at idkanystraightpeople. Look up the spelling in the show notes if that's confusing. You can also email me at idkaspa at gmail.com, although I don't know why you'd want to. I don't know any straight people anymore can be found on most streaming platforms. Tune in next Friday for when I'll talk to another queer person. Remember, you are loved by many, even if it doesn't feel like that all the time. I'm trying out taglines. Is that a good one? Bye.